the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at PastorScott at KKLA.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. It is hour two. It is Monday. And it's always good to be with you. Pastor Scott show every day from 3 to 5. I am Pastor Scott. Pastor Scott for OPSF. People used to call me for short, PSF. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good, PSF. Anyway, welcome to the uh, PSF show, Pastor Scott show. Doesn't really work that way, but there you go. Hey, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. There have been lots of stories, you know, and statistics that come out about uh, Americans and view about God, and in particular, you know, the decline in our country of people who say they're Christians. And that's, you know, it's an interesting number because I think that what it really reflects is a number of people who no longer feel like they have to say that they're a Christian or even religious of any kind um, just because there's social pressure to do so. I think that social pressure is being relieved, and there's good and bad parts about that. You know, the bad uh, is that if you don't believe in God, if there's no God, then you really do have a hard time coming up with a reason for a moral anything. Um, and that's pretty significant. I went online, and you know, people will put their thoughts online. And in the decline of Americans' belief in God, a recent study says that, uh, and this has to do with doubt, okay? So this is a little different than just belief in God. But for the first time ever in modern American history, those who have no doubt about the existence of God has dropped to under 50%. I'm not really sure, you know, how that question is answered or how people respond to that. I'm wondering what you think about it. What do you deal with with doubt, either you or other people? How do you feel about doubt. See, it's changing in in people's perspective. The number was 60% just 15 years ago, 9% of the silent generation, if you were born between 1928 and 1945, uh, identify as no religion, only 9%. But 34% of the current generation, Generation Z, identifies as such. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. So of the younger crowd out there who are listening, a uh, larger percentage of you have no religion, but the the number really is doubt. You know how, you know, in the scriptures, Jesus is presented by a man who says something that I think is incredibly profound. He says, I believe, help me with my unbelief. You know, that there is belief, but there is is room to struggle in that. And Jesus is blessed by that, right? I believe uh, help me with my unbelief. If you have unbelief, you take it to uh, Christ. You know, that's that actually is tremendous faith. And I think that is part of this. Well, how do you feel about your strength in what you really believe about the Lord? 
or why is it that we are developing more and more doubt? Is it technology? Is it a a modern sense of truths can be different? You know, is it philosophical? What what is driving Americans' um, lack of faith, lack of ability to actually trust in the Lord? 888-528-2557, or even just believe that there is a God. What I was intrigued about with this was somebody posted on the Twitter machine this survey, and this person's coming, this person calls himself an agnostic, and this person is pretty, you know, I would say center, you know, pretty left, not not far, far to the left, but on the left side of things. And But there's lots of people who follow this person. And if you're on social media and you're on there to, to try to learn and to engage with people, uh, you need to follow people who you don't agree with. You need to follow people who agree with you and who don't agree with you. If you're not doing that, then you just stay in this sort of bubble. Uh, there's another bubble you want to avoid, and that's that online is not real life. But sometimes you find some people to follow. I try to where people really try to put some stuff out there that says something about themselves. And the question was asked, do you think it's a good or bad thing for our country that fewer people are certain that God exists? And then are you surprised by the numbers? The person who put this out there, his name is Brian uh, Krasenstein or Krasenstein. Is it Steen or Stein? S-T-E-I-N. I don't know. Um, is it Frankenstein or Frankenstein? It's one of those two, if you remember that old good movie. Uh, 888-528-2557. But I'm, I'm curious often about people's answers. And there's one answer that really jumped off the page at me because I thought, you know, what do people say when they don't go to church or they feel like uh, they're not comfortable going to church any anymore? Uh, this person wrote this. I'm an, I'm an agnostic, but I work as a church administrator in an Episcopal church, which I think, you know— that's an interesting thing. You know, I don't believe in anything, but I uh, work at a church. I I found it very helpful to hire people who are Christians at my Christian church when I was a pastor. I found that to be, you know, actually a job requirement. You're allowed to do that, you know, when you work for churches. You can't do that according to law in regular companies. But if you're a nonprofit, if you're a church, you are allowed to hire people who have your same uh, faith views, and that's true with any religion, you know, and that's the interesting thing is that there are people out there trying to change that. There are people out there who, particularly if your church has a school or a preschool, they really are pushing to make you not have any religious discrimination with your hires in your preschool. And there are some groups who are trying to make make it so that you don't have any religious hires in your church staff, or maybe the the lead pastor, he can be a Christian, but everybody else just has to uh, be whatever. So there's a possibility one day that, uh, you know, what they want is you hire a youth director who doesn't necessarily believe. That makes no sense for any religion, by the way. I mean, does the, the Muslim preschool have to hire the Baptist preschool worker? I don't think so. I, I don't think that should be the case. I mean, it's just a weird thing. Anyway, she says, I'm agnostic, but I work as a church administrator in the Episcopal Church. About 95% of our congregation is 70 plus years of age, widowed or divorced women. We've so 95% are over 70, widowed or divorced, and women. We've researched reasons for not attracting a younger crowd. It boils down to hypocrisy from those who call themselves Christians. Is that the reason that fewer people believe in God? Maybe it's some of the reason that people are going to, to uh, church. I think it's different here. It's funny to me that uh, you're not a believer at all, but you work at a church. 
and you're speaking about why other people aren't going to your church, and you know the church is uh, very, very close to meeting Jesus in person, everybody who is there, just by the numbers, 70 years of age, widowed or divorced uh, women. You're either close to meeting Jesus or you're close to getting elected president. One of those two things is going to happen to somebody in that church. Uh, uh-oh, I just unplugged myself here. Anyway, um, when I say that, I unplugged my headset. That means I'm just I'm talking, and it just sounds differently. That's just kind of how things go. I'm going to have to get put into the uh, the jail cell here. Hold on a second. All right, I've I'm paroled now. Took my headset off. Made me wonder if we you know got off the air there. All right, so where was I? All right, so when I read these replies here. It does talk a lot about hypocrisy. Is hypocrisy in the church the reason that people uh, don't believe in God? Are we unable as people to determine that maybe, uh, you know, if you can determine that somebody's a hypocrite, what it means is they don't believe what they're saying they believe, but it doesn't mean that their belief is wrong. It just means that you don't think they actually believe that thing that they're saying they believe. So I never buy the hypocrite argument. I think that there's people who are hypocrites. And I think everybody in church is a sinner. I think sometimes there's this view that says everybody who goes to church is some kind of saint. And uh, it's not. You, you, you're going to have people who are thieves who go to church and people who are struggling with all kinds of things who go to church. That's why you got to be careful in the church. Sometimes from the standpoint of the church, you know, we think, oh, everybody who comes here is nice and they love Jesus. Well, they might be nice. They might love Jesus, but they also struggle with something. And uh, so that's why you lock the doors. Right? That's why you be careful who you give the combination to the safe out to. That's why you do background checks for the kids' workers and sometimes even the adult workers. Um, because hopefully sinners are going to your church, but hopefully you realize that um, only God is perfect and uh, everybody else is screened. I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Uh, some other responses here, and there was a conversation with this person on here. And, you know, one of the things she puts in there is that we've worked hard to welcome everybody. We put uh, including LGBTQ plus, and we put up flags as a reminder and all of this stuff, and it didn't draw anybody. See, I'm of the opinion that if you are denying what your your faith is, one way or the other, you're not going to draw skeptical people because skeptical people see right through it. I tend to think that that young people today are very skeptical. They have some reason to be, but they are not impressed by pandering. I'm hoping that that's true because there's so much pandering that goes on in our world today. But I don't think that people are are impressed by pandering to different sociological points of view. If that were true, if people were impressed by that, then churches who compromise on the gospel would be huge. And then we'd have these massive mega churches with all kinds of people going uh, to churches that um, have decided, you know what, we don't think the Bible is true, or we don't think this part of the Bible is true, or we don't think you have to agree with this part of it. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Most of the time, the reason that uh, the old school denominations are failing is because they have compromised on the scriptures and no one's going. It uh, removes all the serious believers and then it removes anybody who might go otherwise because they might not agree with you, but they do not like it when you say one thing and do another or you, you decide, oh, I'll change my entire faith. I'll change what truth is so that you will like us. Uh, it doesn't work, and it shouldn't work. The interesting thing here, too, when we go to the scriptures, is the idea of belief in God. 
you know, scripturally speaking, when we come up with excuses for it, the Bible also talks about that. Romans chapter 1. You ever read Romans 1? Usually there's a part of Romans 1 that gets read when we're talking about, uh, you know, homosexuality and issues like that. But you've got to read it in context. That's part of it. But there's so many things in here. And it really condemns humanity who rejects God in any fashion. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed, this is Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made, made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. That passage is one that I think every Christian should realize, and it frames this debate. It frames the idea of proof, because that is another thing that I'm noticing in the stream of what people have to say, is so many people are looking for proof. You know, um, so many people are saying, well, I just don't see any proof. You know, I think I might be a believer if God would just prove it to me. And, you know, the interesting thing is what the Bible says is there is proof. It's everywhere. It's called nature. It's called look outside and wonder where you come, came from. It's called why is it that as human beings, um, we need to save the whales, but the whales don't need to save the whales, meaning, you know, we're different, that human beings are different than any of the other creatures. Everybody can see that. We've always seen that. And that there is a responsibility there are capabilities, and there is moral thought. It is something I think that maybe in our conversations about what is, who is God and why we should believe in God that we fail to make sometimes. How do you feel about this, and how are you doing? Do you feel like you're doubting more because of the status of, of faith or an experience that you've had, or maybe you've been in a place where you doubt less and something happened in your life when you came to understand that God is God, that God is really true. Somebody here, I'm looking at here, you know, like the hypocrisy of you working as a church administrator. And she says, this is a person who works at a church. She says, my job has nothing to do with God. <laughs> See, isn't that the problem? You work at a church, but my job has nothing to do with God. Um uh, I just feel like that matters a lot. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I work at a church, but my job has nothing to do with God. She says it has everything to do with keeping the lights on. Uh, I don't believe, need to believe in God to uh, do my job. You know, I wonder, there's conversations that happen in churches a lot. Like, should people who are in leadership, do they have to be Christians? At what level of leadership uh, does a person have to be saved? It's an argument that people have, right? What if? What about if you're a great musician and you really know how to lead worship? Do you have to know love Jesus to lead worship, or can you do the job and uh, lead everybody in singing, but you don't personally believe? You'd be surprised how often that's a thing. I know but church that used to hire outside musicians to come in who weren't believers at all. They were phenomenal musicians. And they would come in and sing about Jesus and lead people about Jesus, but they never stayed for the sermon. They just took off. And, you know, it was quite a gig. My personal thought is, no, if you're going to lead people, you know, you particularly in worship, you got to know who you're worshiping. 
you got to understand this. You you don't need to be a theological giant, but it's a important theological role. Is is my view with this? I think things like that confuse people, where church sometimes just becomes the the program of coming and gathering together, and you know being with each other. But it's a social club, and this church, you know. I don't know this church, obviously, that this person's talking about where everybody is 70, 80, 90, and all women and widowed and divorced and wondering why the young people don't come. Uh, I bet they go to lunch and they talk about why the young people don't come and they lament. I'll bet that if they repented and turned to Christ, that the young people would come back. I have a sense that that when churches uh, turn to Christ— that the Holy Spirit starts bringing the people who are going to lead them. I just feel like that's a thing. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. All this really is an encouragement you know, in this day and age when believing in God is under attack, when there are philosophical views that say that there is no God. And you need to understand that this is a view, these are things that are not um, new but it's it's something that is also political. You know, when we have these views that are against the family, far, far left stuff, against the family, against traditional mom and dad and, you know, raising the kids. And when you start to talk about the state raising the kid and things like that, some people are just saying stuff. But there are very thoughtful people who have read and who have paid attention who realize that if you are going to um, – affect fundamental change in a country, you're going to have to reject the family. You're going to have to reject mothers and fathers, and you have to take them out. And the interesting thing is you have to reject God in all of that, because the state has to be God. Because if you're going to have a a system that is utopian, then you really can't have religion, because then people are going to have differing views. And you really can't have parents and mothers and fathers, the Marxist philosophy is you can't have family because family is the reason that some people stay rich and some people stay poor. The idea is that you just give it to your kids and they inherit and the next generation inherits and they keep the money and then other people don't have a, an opportunity. And the reason that you're poor is because you um, stay married and you marry people, and uh, which makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. That's never worked, by the way. Yes, it's true that families for a while maintain their wealth and they do that, but families also lose their wealth over time. I can tell you that uh, I've done MyAncestry.com and uh, at least one line of my family was pretty wealthy at one point, 17s and 1800s, and we don't see any of that wealth in my family, like not a penny of it. I showed all this to my dad one time. It's on his side. And And I said, what do you think happened to all of that? You know, where did that go? And what, what normally happens is you have, you know, a bunch of kids and you keep dividing it and dividing it and dividing it and eventually they blow it or they sell it. They move across the country. There's things that people do and it changes. My dad, he said, he said, oh, my uh, my uncle probably gambled it away, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny because we all have those uh, those secrets in our our household. 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'm telling you that because I am saying that there is an agenda to remove God that it isn't just a process of moving towards secularism that is some kind of natural thing. Uh, I think it is the work of the devil, and I think that it is something that happens when we give ourselves over to um, whatever it is that's driving our heart. And 
you know, the scriptures say that God gives us over. That's what Romans 1 ultimately tells us. And I think that we're seeing that, that God ultimately will give you over to whatever it is that is driving you that's not him and driving you away. Eventually, it says they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, deceit, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these things, but also approve of those who practice them. That's the judgment of God. And the interesting thing to me about the judgment of God is that he gives us what we want, that that is the judgment of God. And that's scary. Just people say, is God punishing me for for these things or is he punishing our country? I don't know. Maybe he's just letting us do what it is that we say we want. And we see that struggle. All right, we're going to take a break. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. When we come back, update on controversy with the the Dodgers that uh, the Angels have decided that they are going to pick up on and take that ball and run with it. As the Pastor Scott Show continues, Monday edition. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, take me out to the ballgame. If you listen to that old version of that song there, you notice that they say, uh, buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack, singular, not plural. And it's because it used to be an expression. Cracker Jack, you and you would say. And I don't know if it was cursing. Maybe I just offended somebody who's like 110 years old right now by saying that, you know. Uh, but uh, it's it's buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. Like, I'm excited to be here. And then some wise person slapped Cracker Jack on a box of caramel popcorn and nuts, and it turned into part of that song. It's an amazing thing. Anyway, you'll always learn something that maybe you'll use whenever you're on Jeopardy on this program. 888-528-2557 is the number. Tamara in Los Angeles, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Tamara, are you with us? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, hello. I am a new listener. A new listener. All right. Here's our new listener. Ta-da! Welcome. Welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. (laughs) And I'm loving it. Oh, well, thank you, Tamara. Yes, so I'm looking forward to listening to you every day. Because I listen to KKLA all the time. Yeah. So now I know your time frame, I will be listening. Well, thank I you. Wanted to, you're welcome. Pastor Scott, I just wanted to let you know that when you were talking about people, like the lady who works in the church. Yeah. I've been to, I have been to a church where the band members, because you know they get paid, when as soon as the message come on, they leave the room leave the sanctuary. And do they go stand in the back, or are they just going, do they go to another service later, or do they never show up for uh, the sermon? I've never seen, when I, the numerous times I've been there, I've never seen them sit and just wait till the pastor's finished preaching and then play the music for the end. And it's interesting, and it's sad, but I do pray for people that when you're exposed, if you're working in an environment that I pray the Lord will draw you, and you will hear the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you will accept. 
Yeah, you know, yeah. that is uh, what a lot of people will say if they're bringing in people maybe who don't know the Lord or who aren't quite right. You know what I would say, Tamara, is you might want to ask your pastor or ask ask them, you know, what do they do? Because maybe they are listening and they're just sitting in the back. Or maybe, do you guys have more than one service? No. Yeah. Um, the, no, it's not my my regular church. Yeah. It's when I visited this one church, numerous friend of mine, and I was just surprised that they just get up and leave the room and just come back to play. Yeah. And I figured they're not believers because well, they should want to hear the message. Yeah. What yeah. I would say is is sometimes that does happen, and uh, maybe they're not listening, but it also could be that they're listening. I'd, I'd at least give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they can hear real well back there, or maybe they stand up in the back. Or if it's a church with multiple services, maybe they just sit through one of them, but not all of them. Not to make excuses, because what you're you're worried about is something that people worry about, right? And it, And from it's something that we should hear, right, is that... It gives an impression uh, that may not be what is real, but it's what people gather when they're sitting there. Uh, You know, well, Tamara, thanks for listening to the Pastor Scott Show. Glad you're a part of our audience. Tell your friends. I will. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. 888-528-2557. All right. uh, Last week was a controversy involving... The Los Angeles Dodgers, who um, they, uh, last I looked, they're still in first place, you know, so uh, looking forward to uh, a great, great season and uh, dropping out first week of October. Uh, Not that controversy, something else going on with uh, Pride Night and a group that uh, the Dodgers kicked out of Pride Night. Excluding them in any capacity is just, you know, it's just unacceptable for for us here in West Hollywood. The sisters have been in the L.A. area for nearly three decades. They say they're devoted to community service, ministry, and outreach for marginalized communities. But today I spoke with a man who finds them incredibly offensive. So what this group is, is that they're called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, and they are a, a drag group, okay, men dressed up as women drag, um, wearing nuns' uh, habits, they call them, and um, the Catholic League and other groups are calling them offensive and sacrilegious and have objected to them being invited to the Pride festivities at Dodger Stadium on June uh, in, I'm not sure what day it is, but sometime in June. Um, and the Dodgers removed them last week. Not serving the public interest when you mock uh, a, a large segment of the population uh, the way they do. Bill Donahue is the president and CEO of the Catholic League, the nation's largest Catholic civil rights organization. He says the sisters mock the Eucharist and the church. When they trash the Eucharist, the body and blood of Jesus Christ and our blessed mother, the Virgin Mary, you're, you're asking for war with Catholics, quite frankly. I mean, a culture war. And we're going to engage you on that. <laughs> I mean, a culture war, not not an actual war. You know, we probably won't have crusades again uh, at this stage of it, but it certainly is a... A serious thing, right? Can people, you know, people disagree, and we certainly have all kinds of problems on uh, this matter, uh, you know, in in Christian circles and uh, also with the Catholic circles. But how far, you know, should people be invited who mock, openly mock other groups to any event? Like, at what point are you crossing the line? I would say I would agree. They should not be invited to this. I I don't understand really a lot of the rationale behind a lot of this. But what I find interesting is the Dodgers kicked them out, but something else happened. The Angels in Anaheim, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Anaheim Angels, whatever they're called these days, um, the mayor of Anaheim has invited them back. Because I think it was a missed opportunity 
to really err on the side of being inclusive and err on the side of standing up for our marginalized communities, especially on the eve of Harvey Milk Day, especially on the eve of Pride Month. Yeah. <laughs> He's an unbelievably great player. I don't understand. Here's what I don't. There's so many things about this I don't even understand. I don't understand why, if there's such a huge controversy that the Dodgers would kick them out, that any other team would then just pick them up. Like, aren't you going to? Aren't you inviting the same controversy? Aren't you inviting that? And it's a. You know, this is a part of our culture and the idea of inclusivity and things like that. Uh, do we just include any group? that fits some category that we've created, um, even though that group might be openly mocking um, and disparaging um, a religious group or some other group. That was one of the points that uh, the Catholic representative made about the Dodgers. As I gave the example to Manfred, if you had white boys in blackface out there and then, and they're just an Al Jolson kind of a modern-day ensemble, and let's say they raise money for AIDS or something, is, 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 is that going to cut... Cut, cut it with gays? I don't think so. There's a tolerance for Catholic bashing in this country, which is sickening. And the people out in Hollywood and others who are very careful about what they say about African-Americans and Hispanics and, and Jews and everybody else, why? Why don't they include us? Why are we fair game? I'm sick and tired of it. I think that he expresses what a lot of people feel um, about this. How do you feel about this? Does it, you know, do you ma- does it matter to you one way or the other? It's a secular organization um in you know doing these kinds of things or is it a cultural experience going to a ball game and uh these things are in the way 888-528-2557 should there be a christian night uh at these stadiums and what would that look like should there be you know pick whatever group uh should there be this kind of group or that kind of group i don't understand the whole move here other than political pressure to say something why can't we just play ball why don't we get to just play baseball? Why, you know, it's a remarkable thing. Anyway, you know, uh, this group of people, I don't even understand why this is a considered a marginalized group. Maybe, maybe I should say that, you know, pastors who are now radio hosts are marginalized groups. How many people are rep- do I represent as the Pastor Scott Show? You know, how many people are on my, uh, you know, my path of things? I just don't think there's, you know, if we, that's one of the things that happens with the the philosophies that are leading us down this path, actually. What happens is, is everybody is turned into some other group so that they can say that they're being oppressed by every other group. So whatever group you are, this is what, this is what critical theory does. Critical theory does make excellent points about the fact that there is discrimination, the fact that people deal with different things. But then what it does is it makes everybody an oppressor of some other group. And then the goal becomes to be, I'm going to be the most oppressed person I can possibly be. And it just keeps dividing and dividing and dividing and dividing. And pretty soon everybody is in their own group because nobody's the same. And it's completely destructive. You know, if you wonder why there is a response like this, some of it has to do with this particular Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence Okay, um, and what they're doing, but you and in the mocking of Catholics and the mocking of Christianity and things, um, they might say that well, there's a lot of Christians who have not been good to us. And, you know, um, I'm not sure that there's, you know, uh, 
and there certainly has been a history of the church not dealing well with uh, many of the issues in uh, gay communities and other things. But uh, you still should not mock a Christian group who openly is just mocking groups of people, I don't think should be out there at a ball game either. You know, we aren't called to agree with everybody, but we are called to love people. It's decidedly unloving to send people into a, a place of falsehood. So as a believer, you know, earlier we were reading Romans 1, you know, and Romans 1 does talk about uh, homosexual behavior, but it also talks about every other kind of anti-God behavior. Um, it's why we need a Savior. Ultimately, everybody falls short of the glory of God. And we need to love people and not make political decisions to sort of justify one person's behavior over another. But this needs to be, this is just going to get worse and worse because of the philosophy of division. And that's something that we have to recognize is before we just, you know, take one group out or another, that there is something behind this that's academic. And the reason that these things are happening is because we are feeling pressure to divide into smaller and smaller groups of people who are oppressed more than others. And eventually everybody is the oppressor. And there is no way that our culture will survive that. And it's just a huge deal. Anyway, I think it's ridiculous, you know, that the uh, angels are going to do that. I'd be curious if they get the same kind of pressure. I don't know what kind of pressure was brought to bear on the, the backside of the Dodgers, but I think it was pretty serious, serious enough for them to uh, drop this group. And uh, um, maybe we are seeing people say, you know what, enough of this. There's got to be a better way to deal with all these things. All right, I got to take a break. What do you think? 888-528-2557. I'll take your calls as the Pastor Scott Show Monday edition continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show. Here's a question for you. Have you ever been banned from somewhere? Like, you can't go in. You're just banned. Like, personally, you've been banned from someplace. Um, I have been. I'll tell you that story maybe in just a second here, but uh, you can call me and tell me your banned story. Did you deserve it? I got banned from a restaurant for asking questions about the pancakes. I'm not even kidding. 888-528-2557. Uh, Russia has banned 500 Americans from entering the country. Uh, That's in addition to another 963 Americans that they banned last year from entering the country. And, you know, it's getting some news and some people tried to spin it because they did some weird things. One of the things they did, you know, in this list of people, some of them, they just don't seem to make any sense. Like they have no real connection with Russia at all, but they banned all of anybody who is involved in one of these prosecutions of Donald Trump, they're all banned. All of those names. And then just sort of various people here and there. Some people try to say, oh, well, you know, they're banning all these people. They haven't banned Trump, apparently. But they have banned. Last year, they banned uh, President Biden and uh, Vice President uh, Harris. Um, One of the people they banned this year, though, was Barack Obama, also banned. And Ambassador John Huntsman, you know, I don't know why they're trying to make this a Trump thing, but it's kind of funny that they did those. But they also they they banned all kinds of people on the left and right. And it includes Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert, Seth Meyers, late night host banned from going to Russia. So I guess there will not be uh, the Jimmy Kimmel show in the uh, Soviet Russia, Soviet Union. It's almost the same. Um, 
I figured that these guys should wear this as a badge of honor somehow. You know, I've been banned from Russia. Do you think that the Obamas are uh, planning some vacation over there? Some of you might, but they're they're not. Now, if Bernie Sanders got banned, that would be a bummer because he does go over there. He had his honeymoon in, uh, I think, Moscow. That was not on our list when uh, Christy and I decided uh, where we were going to go for a honeymoon. Soviet Union, Soviet, I keep calling it that. I can't get that out of my head because I just don't see a lot of difference. Russia was not on the list. Moscow, St. Petersburg, you know, not on the list uh, for the honeymoon. Uh, so maybe some of the 500 are uh, are depressed by that. It just kind of makes me laugh. I'm not really sure what that does. It's some kind of protest over our role in Ukraine and other stuff, but it's very random. Uh, maybe just famous people. Um one of the people on the list named Peyton Walsh is not even an American, a British citizen. So somebody didn't even find that person. Just reminded me, though, that uh, sometimes we get kicked out of things and maybe it's a ban- badge of honor. I got kicked out of a restaurant, like actually told to leave. And I don't think I was being rude. And I don't want to mention the name of this restaurant because I like it. And I have snuck in there since, although I waited about 20 years. No joke. I was removed from this restaurant because they had, it's in San Diego. I'll give you that. And they have, it's a family-owned restaurant. All right. Family-owned and real nice people in there. And a great breakfast. All right. So I'm telling you all that. So I'm sitting down and they've got two pancakes in there on the menu. They've got, uh, they've got old-fashioned recipe of pancakes. But then they had, uh, it was, let's see, it was, it was, uh, Grandma Jeannie's Old Fashioned Pancakes, and it had um, another pancake batter was the Original Pancakes mix. Okay, so you got Old Fashioned and Original. So being the the smart aleck, but I thought I was friendly person that I am, the waitress comes over and she goes, can I help you? And I said, yes, I have a question. She says, yes. I says, which recipe is the older pancake recipe, the original recipe or the old fashioned recipe? Which one was invented first? And I'm not kidding. Out of nowhere, she was livid, angry with me, slammed her ticket book together and kicked me out and told me I'm not allowed to come back ever. And I was stunned by this. What do you mean? I can't come back. I just wanted to know, which is the apparently I was not asked to uh, I was not allowed to ask that question. And I thought it was odd that you have, you know, an old fashioned and an original pancake recipe on your menu. I thought, oh, which one is older? Apparently, maybe that was offensive to Grandma Jeannie or whatever her name was on there. Maybe there was maybe she just died. The grandma. There was something very personal. This person was seriously mad. Now, the the funny thing about this story to me, now that's funny to me. Right. But the next part of it is this. Later on, I had a men's Bible study group I was a part of. And they would go out to breakfast. Well, they picked this restaurant. And I had to say, you know, I don't know if I can go back there because I was told not to come back. And it was a long time ago, but uh, I'm banned from that place. That was before facial recognition and all of those kinds of things. And I, uh, so I went back and I'm sitting there with these guys and I'm telling the story about how I'm not really supposed to be here because I'm kicked out of this restaurant. And, uh, my friend Mark is sitting next to me, and I'm telling him all this story, and you know we're kind of laughing about it, ha ha. Well, the waitress comes up, and I'm telling you, it's the same lady. It's exactly the same lady. And my friend Mark, he opens the menu, and it's the same menu. Prices had gone up. Otherwise, same menu. And he says, "I have a question for you." 
And now, and I'm like going, don't do it. I'm not making this story up. And he says, I noticed that you have two different recipes for pancakes. And I'm telling you, this lady was getting mad. You could see the vein popping in her neck. She's 20 years older, but the same person. And he sees this in the middle of his question. And it was one of the funniest things. He decides not to ask it. And maybe the story would be better if he did, because I'd love to see if he threw her out. She did not recognize me, I was pleased to say. She was standing right next to me. But she was about to let him have it if he finished his question. And the funniest thing is he looks at her, and in the process of this question, he goes, and uh, you know what? Uh, never mind. Never mind. I think I'll just order, and he ordered one of the uh, the pancake ones. And then she left, and we cracked up. That's one of the best laughs I've ever had because she was, they didn't, they told me nobody believed my story. You're probably hearing it going, you didn't get kicked out for pancakes, would you? Nope, I did. Not even kidding. Got kicked out for pancakes. And uh, I still to this day do not know what was offensive about that question, but I know it is, it is the third rail of, of pancake consumers in that restaurant in San Diego. So if you ever go somewhere and they got two different things on the menu for two different recipes. And I'm not talking about like the IHOP where they, you know, have Italian pancakes and German pancakes and American pancakes and whatever pancakes, the, the international house of pancakes, which is not actually international. I don't think, I think they just mean we're calling this Italian. It's like a pizza pancake or something. Uh, just be careful about what you say. Anyway, I'm banned from that restaurant, but I have, I have returned many times. They seem to have forgotten about me, but it, it took a couple of decades before I went back. Uh, 888-528-2557. You ever been banned? Uh, Donna in Orange, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Have you ever been banned from a restaurant, Donna? <laughs> yes, we yes we were. When my mother was alive, we'd go out to lunch almost every day, and uh, we'd go to this Japanese restaurant. And my mother, my mother was always very picky and demanding, and she'd give the waitress a bad time, but she was, you know, the waitress would take it. Uh, but at the end, my mother would refuse to leave her a tip. Oh. And uh, if I tried to talk her out of it or tried to leave it myself, she'd just give me hell. <laughs> so, you know, I would say, okay. But because of that, we were kicked out and banned. And Because uh, there was no tip, because you, you didn't leave a tip. Yeah, because my mother would refuse to leave a tip. Yeah, yep. <laughs> That's a big deal. <laughs> so you've been banned. See, I, I've... You know, every time I bring this up, somebody else tells me how they've been banned from some restaurant somewhere for something. I get that one, you know, a little bit, but you, you're not really obligated to leave a tip, I guess, but you should leave a tip. I'm a big, you got to tip people, uh, Donna. Yeah. I, and you, are you a so better I. tipper than your mom? Much better. <laughs> okay, that's good. You need to be a big tipper. Thank you, Donna, for calling the Pastor Scott Show. I'm one of those guys who, if you leave a lousy tip and you're paying and I notice it, I will walk back in and put more of a tip down and apologize. I just, you've got to leave a tip. Now, I don't know. The funny thing is for me with that is that I'm, if you go to a restaurant and you sit down and they serve you and you leave them a tip, it should be a big tip. I'm like, it's 20% if it's normal service. If it's really terrible, still leave 15 because it's not, it's multiple people usually are sharing those things and, and they rely on it to live, right? It's something that's, that's there. Uh, leave a tip. I think it matters. Now, I'm that guy. I used to tell my church, don't go out to lunch on Sunday and don't leave a tip. You know, lots of servers will tell you that Sunday is the worst time at lunch because Christians are lousy tippers. We, that should not be our reputation. You go out and you tip 20%. And if it's lousy, then 15. 
All right. Now, if they ban you from the place, maybe you don't have to leave a tip. Now, that's my thought. Now, the other thing, though, it now that's how I feel about tipping. On the other hand, whenever I go buy something and they have one of those square cash registers where they spin it around at you, and now suddenly I have to leave a tip for something that I've never in my life left a tip for before until this day, I have a hard time with those tips. I mean, do you... <laughs> I, I know they still need it to live on, but it's just like, I've well, I've never tipped on this this product before, and all you did was uh, hand it to me. I didn't, You didn't do anything. Why do I need to live? Is that a contradiction or not? I don't know. But every time you go to the cash register, that white one that's all plasticky, and they type it in, and it's got the computer screen, the iPad on it, and as soon as that spins around, man, I know, oh, man, I'm going to have to leave a tip. They want me to leave a tip for my uh, my coffee, and uh, and I usually don't. Anyway, is that bad? I don't know. We're running out of time. We'll have to talk about that. It might be a good Friday conversation. You know, how do we how do we deal with that? Moral of the story is, you know, if you're banned, you don't have to leave a tip. If you're not banned from the place, you know, leave a tip. I know it's expensive to go out. It's terrible. 20 percent. That's that's the Pastor Scott show rule. 20 percent for normal service. 15 percent if it's lousy. They still need to eat. My grandmother used to uh, if she didn't like the service, she would leave a penny or a nickel underneath every plate. That was the statement she made. That was, <laughs> that was, that was quite something. All right. Hey, uh, we are out of time. This is the Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast by going to kkla.com or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify. Click subscribe. Also, share us on your social media. Tell your friends about the Pastor Scott Show. We're on every day from 3 to 5. God bless you. I will see you tomorrow. Have a great night. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.